Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. everybody um, welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast uh, it's been a very good weekend for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club Manchester City couldn't get it over the line Arsenal they couldn't get it over the line either but you know who could get it over the line it was Tottenham Hotspur once again and here to bask in the warm glow of a Tottenham victory and an Arsenal defeat because they're kind of they're in legion with one another We've got AP. AP, welcome back to the show, mate. I'm actually giving you an intro this time. How nice of me. How nice of me. I was hoping for a grand one like this. It's very good. Very good. uh, Keep it going. Like one of those kind of regal, I don't know, like medieval style ones with trumpeters and all that type of thing. Yeah. Jesters, all of it. Um, well, you've got the jester here, mate. So you know that's 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 part of it. That's part of it. But how how are you doing, mate? How how are you feeling? I'm all right. Yeah, I've just come back from uh, from Mersey, so I was uh, I've just kind of soaked up a little bit of sun and gone out with the family and recharged. So I'm feeling good just, and just, ready to talk. Just to anybody yeah. listening, like Mersey, that's in Essex, right? Not up in Liverpool. <laughs> that that yeah, <laughs> that's the careful that distinction. Yeah, I've never been there though. It was nice, so nice bit of sea air, walking. Jeff fish and chips. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had to. Obviously, everywhere I go along the coastline, I have to sample a bit of battered cod and, and home-cooked chips, or home-cut right. chips, whatever they call them. And, yeah, and obviously a pint. So, yeah, feeling in good spirits, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's good. That's good. And you've, you've obviously come back and seen that Arsenal have been defeated. Look, you know, this is a Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's a Tottenham mm-hmm, Hotspur mm-hmm. podcast. But, absolutely, know, as I said, an Arsenal defeat comes in Legion with a Tottenham victory. It's good to see them lose, right? They were they were getting they were getting a bit big for their boots, weren't they? Yeah, they, I, I was, you know, I was getting a not. I don't know if I would say I was getting worried, but I was getting a bit like, okay, this is getting annoying, starting to get a bit annoying. Just you know, you, you wherever you go, everybody's saying, okay, win after win. You know, how, how many have you won or what have you? But yeah, just peg them back a little bit, you know, get their uh, get their number a little bit and and pull them back, just suck them back towards the rest of us, you know, down here. Down here in the murky depths of are we second are we second or third? No, we're third, aren't we? We're I think we're third, yeah. yeah, level with Manchester City on everything other than goal difference, which you know That's not bad. what a what a way to lose a league title that would be, eh? Um <laughs> It was a it was a great performance for Tottenham yesterday. Well actually I'm not gonna put words. What did you think of the performance yesterday against Fulham, mate? Well, going into it, I was actually a little bit nervous because I thought, okay, the previous performances were, you know, they were okay. It wasn't anything inspiring. It was, uh, you know, I don't think we started so well. We always kind of start on the back foot a little bit. So I didn't know what to expect at first. But then, um, 
I saw some like when, once the, the team selection went up. I was I was happy we got Lengley in there, and obviously Romero being back, uh, massive boost to the back line. You know, you got obviously three at the back, uh, so you've got uh, them are flanking uh, Dyer either side. So you, suddenly you got passing in there, and I just, it immediately gave me more confidence in what we were going to do because obviously Fulham aren't going to. Um, harass us too much uh, in terms of their pressing. They, I thought they were just going to kind of try and hit us on the counter. And yeah, we, we managed to find uh, our way between the lines with uh, some you know, decent possession at the back that, you know, kind of released uh, released our, our daring our daring wing backs in uh, Emerson and uh, yeah, Sessignon. Sessignon. So yeah, it was um, good stuff. I thought it was really good. Uh, you know the the actual performance itself uh, matched uh, the result this time, and yeah, very happy with that. Did you feel like it was any sort of response to the West Ham? Because I'm 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 not quite sure where I stand on the West Ham game yet. Part of me feels oh. that it was just a personnel thing, right? We were we had a couple of knocks. We were playing at a notoriously horrible sort of venue for us against a notoriously horrible opposition, a team that treats us as a as a cup final. But yeah. it didn't feel like there was much spark there um, against West Ham. And I know, obviously, we have made the personnel changes going into the Fulham game. But it did feel like there was a lot more energy there, right? It did feel like it felt more reminiscent of the first game against Southampton. Yes, it did. I, and, it, you know, it's, it's more a case of, obviously, the game against Southampton, another kind of prerequisite of that is that that was the first game. So you're coming into it fresh. And I think that the changes made the difference, you know, like once you start to make those changes, you get Rishi in there, you get the other two back. You got obviously Romero's had a little bit of a rest through injury and, and Longley's been just chomping at the bit, I'm sure, in the background. So once you've got more energy and positive thrust and obviously with the rotation happening with the wing backs, although I'd like more rotation with Emerson, please, <laughs> if Conte, if you're listening. Um, and yeah, it, would be, it, it just gives the whole team a, a bit more um, imagination going forward, a little bit more energy going forward. And I think that just, you know, swung the balance, really. So once we, we I think we're going into it, obviously, at home and you just got the crowd behind you and everything. And it just, uh, it, we, we kind of will, willed ourselves to win, really, you know, loads more uh, attacks, loads more kind of creative attacks as well going on, you know, like, I mean, that's probably, we'll probably go into a little bit later, but what Kane was doing with the ball is like outstanding. Like, is is <laughs> I don't even know what we could use. I don't know how many superlatives we can use for Kane anymore. It seems like every time, but there was one particular moment when Kane just kind of did this kind of cross dink through like a channel and it just landed at Sun's chest and he volleyed it, hit the bar. And well, it's, it's, it's just it's, insane. It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, I... I... Watched that game of it, well, obviously, and I did sort of the post-match um, little kind of thought-clearing pod that I do now after after the post-matches, and you know, I, I sort of on there I was kind of saying, you know, Kane, I think he had a good game. It wasn't a vintage Harry Kane performance by his standards, blah blah blah. And you know, when it, when you are kind of fresh from having watched something, when you just because. You're not watching something really, especially when you're watching the team that you love, right? You're not really watching it with an analytical mind. You're following it in a in an emo. Well, at least I'm not. I'm not going to speak on behalf of everybody. I watch it more from an emotional side of things. I'm kind of feeling how the game is going. If you get what I mean. Um, yeah. But then, since recording that, I've seen all these kind of clipped up compilations: Harry Kane versus Fulham, and fucking hell, man! Like. <laughs> the, the guy is just you know do we 
I'm sort of asking myself this, but do we we do we still take him for granted? It sounds ridiculous to say, but do you think we do as a fan base or because we we're very quick to say that the rest of the league they don't appreciate Kane, they don't get what he does, but do you think even us as a fan base sometimes we don't really fully realize actually like what an absolute phenomenon we have playing for us. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We that the I mean the answer is yes because I was, I mean the other day I was listening to Jamie Carragher, the lovely uh, Jamie Carragher, um, listening to him talk about how we do underappreciate uh, this guy. He he is literally. I mean, don't let anybody tell you anything else. He's the the best like in the best striker that we've seen probably since I'd say Henri. And I know obviously it's a Spurs podcast, but it's he's that level. He's He's in the top three. I mean, Henri isn't even in the top three, so I'm, I'm saying Henri. But yeah, he's. I know we're what you mean. Legend. Henri we're was watching... obsi- um, Yeah, we could come on. We, we're all adults here. We we can say now. We can reflect <laughs> back and see yeah. what an absolute sensation Thierry Henri was. Yeah. And yeah. Arsenal he's... have not had anybody close to him since. And look at where they've exactly. been since. You know. Well, nowhere. <laughs> but exactly. um, yeah, exactly. And I, so I mean, Kane is he's an absolute legend for me I, he, top three strikers top you know top three in terms of goals I'm talking about and he's just he, he doesn't stop does he and it's not just the goals it's the way he sets them up it's his movement it's what he does for others in and around the box you know leadership on and off the pitch and all that stuff he's an absolute all-rounder and uh, yeah listening to Jamie Carragher describe that I, I, you know it kind of made me kind of look at the uh, scoring charts and what was going on and like to, uh, when I was a kid, I used to kind of uh, look up to, you know, not kind of worship or anything, but Andy Cole was like the big, yeah. he was the Don, you know, back then. And he's gone past him and he's, what is he? He's like 29. He's, he's nowhere near finished. Like nowadays, you know, you've got, you got Lewandowski, he's playing uh, up front for Barcelona. What is he, 36 or something? Is he 35, 36? I think so, yeah. Near so, enough. yeah. So he's, there's plenty of time for Kane as well to overtake Shearer's record. And we're sitting here kind of like um, nitpicking over like the odd performance. So I, I find ourselves sometimes kind of really getting into, you know, the, the kind of the minutiae of, of a performance. And then I have to kind of, I kind of slap myself a bit and re- kind of remind myself this guy's the reason why uh, a lot of what what's good about Tottenham has happened over the last uh, seven years. He, he, he got into the first team and displaced Soldado. So... <laughs> You know, it's it's incredible. You know what he's done for us. I, I don't even. Sometimes I sit back and I think, how did we even come across one of the greatest strikers in uh, in the Premier League ever? You know, just in our youth academy, it's after unbelievable, kind of shipping him it? around on loans. It's but it, crazy. But it's like you say, you know, and I think when you're younger, obviously you're watching things through less cynical eyes. And uh, <clears> like you, you know, we're we're similar age, growing up in the era of seeing the likes of, like you say, Cole York. Thierry Henry, Michael Owen, you know, just some of these like Alan Shearer, lest, lest we forget Alan Shearer. Some of these strikers that, you know, Harry Kane is now rubbing shoulders with. Um, and mm. you sometimes just have to kind of take stock of that, I reckon. And I, the other thing that's kind of really interesting now is that you're seeing a, a whole kind of like generation now of younger players players just that bit younger than him I mean Erling Haaland a prime example who are who look up to Harry Kane now to 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 me it's it's funny you're still kind of in in the mindset of Harry Kane is the lad from our academy he's still a fairly young striker but 
He's one of the more senior players now. He's an experienced player. Yeah, I know there's still always going to be the what's he won though shit, but I think any other professional kind of footballer, especially somebody that plays in a similar position to him. I don't know if you heard, there was, there was a really interesting one, that a story about Erling Haaland where he would apparently watch Harry, he would study the way Harry Kane played in the Premier League wow. and try and adopt it to his own game. So much so that his teammates would say to him, have you been have you been with Professor Kane today? As in like, you know, that's who he's been learning from if he was away. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's just, Didn't you know, know it's, yeah, it's, the guy's a phenomenon. Yeah, he, he, I mean, people talk about, you know, obviously Alan Shearer, Alan Shearer, but, you know, and people like obviously to compare them and, and you can see actually at the end of every match of the day now, every time Kane scores, they cut to Shearer and, you know, obviously <laughs> sheepishly in his chair, kind of like, oh Christ, he's coming. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, we compare him to Shearer, but Shearer was, Shearer, what, let's, let's get this straight, he was a monster. I think he's actually underrated for what he yeah. did. You don't, people actually don't talk about Shearer as much as like, they his should assists. talk about him. I didn't realise how many assists ridiculous. he had. <laughs> yeah. It's actually scary how good Shearer was. When, when I was a kid, he would score every week. It was just normal. He would just score. Like when he didn't score, there was it was a crisis at Newcastle. So, uh, or you know, or Southampton or Blackburn. But it, you know, he, he was the indomitable. You know, um, but yeah, we we, we compare um, um, Harry Kane to Shearer, but um, Alan Shearer won one Premier League medal. I don't, did he even win FA Cups or anything? Yeah, you know, I think it was just one Premier League medal at a, a you know kind of, yeah. was it. Um, <laughs> a kind of loaded the Blackburn at the time, and so yeah, it's it, I, you, you you can talk about the one Premier League medal, but I don't think we even mentioned that much with Shearer, and I think that Kane shouldn't let it get him down that he hasn't got a Premier League medal in an era that we're kind of doped up with with, with oil barons and warlords and all sorts of things going on. So I, I think um, yeah, I, I do think that it's something even if he overtakes Shearer's record and doesn't get the Premier League. Um, medal that he obviously desires i think it's you know it's it's not something that he should let kind of like besmirch his record yeah it is absolutely seriously impressive i mean he's, he's essentially just one title of being the you know kind of rub, rubbing shoulders with shearer but i think even if he went past that he, he's better than shearer you know it's just the stats don't lie kind of thing as shakira would say so <laughs> I, uh, how I mean, just how lovely would it be to see? Because it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Kane and his contract. We've got this year and next year. I think he's the type of player that he's worth. If even if he doesn't want to sign a new contract with us, I can't see us selling him next summer. I can't see us taking fifty, sixty mil for him. He's worth more to the club, even if he does end up going on a free transfer. So Absolutely. I think so anyway. But it's it, it is going to be interesting to see. I mean, I really. Obviously, hope he doesn't leave. Um, I know they have Haaland. I've, I've still got a sneaking suspicion that Manchester City would make room for him, even with Haaland. You know, um, uh, so I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, they've got an Alvarez guy as well. He's he's, oh, pretty, he's brilliant. He's pretty darn tootin'. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's good, isn't he? he really is, mate. He's he's you know. I don't want to do one of these hot yeah. takes. No, I don't. I, whatever. I think he's. I, I think he might actually do be one, like, one. as good as Haaland. Like. In a different way. Watch, um, Kane. No, uh, Alvarez. Alvarez. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. He possibly. I think people just obviously we don't watch much of South American football, so the knowledge isn't there. And 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 Harlan's been cruising around Europe, slapping slapping in goals left and right. So everybody is aware of Harlan. But yeah, Alvarez. He's been he's been about, and uh, you know he's 
highly, highly recommended. So I honestly, yeah, you could you could be right. You know, he's not been given the, the kind of spotlight um, Haaland has, but, you know, the other day, I think he banged in two goals as well. And, yeah, you know, I know finishes. He's about, he's good. He's, yeah, yeah. he's a he's bowler, quality. as the kids would say, AP. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Too old. We, well, from he's one, decent, that's what we'd say. From one goat to a potential another goat, Richarlison, man. Like, oh. he finally got his start. And, I, you know, first maybe 20 minutes of the game, I was thinking, mm, is, he, oh. is he ready for this? Maybe he's more of an impact sub. And then, bang. That was it. Like yeah. his pressuring, his running, his his the way in which he kind of already seems to have a connection with Son and Kane. I mean, the guy people people were worried, right, about a sixty million pound transfer fee. I don't think anybody's worried yeah. now, right? I don't think anybody's no, worried no. about that. He's come in and he's he's flying, isn't he? I I think Sonny. Uh, I think half the reason Sonny gets upset on the bench is because he knows Richarlison's coming on for him do you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> so, like if you had that kind of guy he's, he's always biting he's at the, biting at the bit to get on the field and, and he's always getting on there and he's actually making contributions while he's getting on the field all the assists he's starting to you know slowly kind of tap up and uh, you know we and I think the whole stadium is willing him to get a goal obviously and uh, the, the guy is just he's, he's a force of nature isn't he he's a force of nature he just he's he's embraced what it's what it is to be a Spurs player. Like he's got everything, hasn't he? And you can understand why Everton fans loved him so much. You know, he's got everything. He's got everything that the fans have got in the stands, man. He's just, he's really, really great. And he just makes me smile straight away. All of his social, his social media output is elite. It's elite. It's unbelievable. He can, <laughs> he can meme with the best of them. He rides with the memes. Like he's so good. And uh, yeah, he's, I'm so happy to have him at the club, man. Like he's, Definitely the way forward for us. I think, like, if any one of those front three thought they could kind of have an off game, he's there. And he's come on the field, obviously, as you were saying uh, the other day. And, yeah, I think initially he had some heavy touches. And then, yeah, he, he kind of grew into the game. Got It kind of uh, it clicked with him, I think, a bit quicker than it has clicked with Basuma. He's just clicked with him with the, with the teammates. And, uh, yeah, he's doing all sorts of things in, in, inside, outside the, the, the step um, curlers to set up Kane and all sorts of things. He's quality. He's, I, I actually thought he wasn't going to be as good as he is. And I, I didn't think his, Same. I his thought touch he was or his good, skill. Right? Yeah, I didn't think his touch or his skill was going to be as good as it was because we, we're seeing a player play with, like, the Everton players and they're not exactly, you know, they're not top four players. So, yeah, I, I think obviously he had to chase around bad touches and stuff. But here he's really showing himself. You know, he's 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 walked into the squad really. Uh, you know, Sonny's having having a bit of an off time at early doors, and um, and you know, Cooley needed a rest the other day. Actually, I think it was quite good management from Conte on that because I think Sonny is one of those that if you took him out for Richarlison, I don't know how it would affect him mentally. So he's kind of trying to play him through this bad spell, and he's rested Kulu. and uh, it's, it worked out. You know, the guy. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but the guy's uh, elite. I, that the celebration was absolutely amazing. I, 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 it's such a shame the goal was chalked out. I just, uh, I hope, 
<laughs> I hope he, he can save that celebration and, and take it to his actual first goal for the cup because that was such a good celebration. I think B- Billy T said something to this effect in terms of like only nerds will tell you that it, that this meant nothing. You know, whatever. Okay, yeah. the goal got chalked off, but it was a moment there between him and the fans. And like you say, yeah. one of these, like the way in which he just gets it, like I saw so many Everton fans, they were gutted when they lost him. And they were also just saying like to us, like, you'll fall in love with him straight away. Like, there's just something about him. There's an aura. The way in which he plays for your shirt, you cannot help but love him. And that's totally what I feel. And like you say, like that connection with the fans, it's so funny because it just, it feels like so many footballers now. And I get it. Like, they're, they're slapped into academies from seven years old now, right? They don't, many of them don't live a normal life. You know, and we kind of we judge them yeah. by these kind of standards of the of the way in which we kind of think or process things. But they are they do live a weird life, footballers. They really do. Yeah. You know, they're so sheltered from everyday reality past a point of probably their what early teenage years. You know, that the, mm. they can't really be accepted to expected to process the world in the same way as you or I. But in somebody like Richarlison, you've got somebody that feels, like you say, feels like somebody that just loves football, is a football fan, and he's playing for it. Like, he gets what the fans want. Like, what was it? Like, the the afternoon he signed for us, he sent his big sort of open letter to Everton fans telling them how much he loved them, how much he loved the club, all that type of thing. And then his next post on Instagram <laughs> was a picture of him standing over like an Arsenal player on the floor, like onto <laughs> yeah, the next that. challenge kind of thing. And you're just like, yes, lad, I love you yeah. already. And you get it. It's that, it's a similar thing that Van der Vaart had, you know? Yes, actually. That's a good, good shout. He knew <clears> entirely <throat> when it came to like the North London derby or when it came to a Chelsea game, whatever, you play for the shirt and Every time you score, any time something happens, you run to the fans and you let them know that it means something. And you just get that from him. You get that from Richarlison. And like you say, it's not all just this kind of like celebration merchant stuff. It's the fact that he's a fucking exceptional footballer as well. That The volley of his that hit the post. Jesus. Oh my God, I forgot that. Absolutely sublime. That was sick. Someone else actually said that that was um, very similar to... like they, They literally saw the volley and thought... Hoddle, like straight away, that you know, just hoddle. The way he's just nice. uh, hit that outside the foot on the hop, like the way you have to. I think anyone who's actually obviously like ventured out onto a fiver side and tried to do all these wonderful things that we see on the weekend, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to get a like to catch a volley like that and hit outside the foot, bit of bend inside of the post kind of thing. Unbelievable, unbelievable score. And do you know his offside goal? If you watch his movement carefully, that is elite movement. He's kind of just stepped over the ball, let it run, come inside, and kind of and and, and finished it off uh, from Sessegnon's uh, inside pass. And it was just, it was so rapid. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think many people in the stadium probably even saw that it was offside or anything. It was, it was the movement was that rapid, and uh, we need that. Like, because we, we, I do think sometimes the front three, as lauded as our front three are, they can be lethargic. They are, they can be culpable for some of our losses. So it's good to actually have someone chomping at the bit. Uh, trying to, you know, obviously a bit more of a cheerleader and kind of, like kind of rowing them up to to actually get out there and you know kind of press and 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 be more inventive with the attacks and stuff. 
uh, and know that there's someone just behind them who, who wants to kind of take their place if they're just kind of lolling about, uh, kind of w- w- watching the defence get battered by attack after attack, you know? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point you pick up there on the, <clears throat> on the offside, because uh, it's been a horrible weekend for VAR. Um, now I, I kind of I've, I've I've gone in two footed because, and I felt this for a while. I, I know there's kind of there's always going to be a kind of a, a plus and a minus to most things in life, right? But for me, with this, I'm at the stage now where the sample size is enough to say that the majority of VAR, or at least the current implementation of it, at the very least, the current implementation of it, has got to change radically because. It, it's in my real opinion, it's impacting the quality of the game. Though it's impacting the enjoyment of the game. Obviously, I reflect back on a Tottenham victory and I love it. But in most games now, I don't have that same spark in the pit of my stomach when Spurs score because I'm always thinking VAR is gonna. We'll just let's just wait to see. There's no VAR decision. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I'm 100 with you on that one as well because. Uh... I mean, across the weekend, the whole re- weekend, I wouldn't say it's ruined, obviously, because we won and Arsenal lost, which is just a fantastic weekend, just basking in the glow of a wonderful weekend. But we we want it to be fair, as fair as possible. And when you've got things like, you know, Gerard celebrating, you know, a, an absolute, like, screamer from Coutinho turning around and, and saying, wait, 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 guys, we can't celebrate because we don't know what the hell's going on over here. Some shenanigans is going to take place, you know, for another four minutes. It's... It's horrible. And then you've got, yeah, I know I don't like, obviously, we're, we're not great fans of West Ham, but they did get properly done. They got done the other day. There's no other way to put it. I know Liverpool uh, fans, and you know, they'll uh, kind of come come at me, come at me, bitches. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, they got done. They got properly done at, at, at the last kind of kick of the game. So yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's we want it to be fair. There's no way you can actually... Obviously, it's, it's an 11 versus 11, and you want it to be fair as possible. And I don't know, did did what we have before, was what we had before that bad that we need VAR? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Was it that bad before that we needed VAR this much? Well, this yeah. is it, because somebody said to me, like, well, you're forgetting all those awful decisions that went against Spurs <clears throat> down the years. And I'm not really, yeah, there's, there's always going to be things that stick out, right? I get that. There are mm. going to be things that, whatever, the... The Roy Carroll wasn't it? Was it Roy Carroll when Pedro Mendes kicked the ball? Yeah, Pedro (laughs) Mendes, the the kind of Nani again at Old Trafford, actually almost kicking the ball out of Gomez's hands or whatever it was that happened. So you know, I know there's been our fair share of things, but I really feel that the kind of how sterile a lot of football feels now because of VAR. There's so many basically legitimate goals that are chalked off. I don't know if you saw the Merseyside derby earlier on in the in the day, um, on the on the same mm. day as Tottenham's game. But Connor, oh, yeah, yeah. Connor Cody's goal, it was one of those, oh, the toe is slightly in front of the defender's elbow type yeah. offsides. And in those situations, yeah. you're like, look, this is even going against your initial remit. You said at the start when you were bringing this in, it would be used for cl- you know, to clear up clear and obvious offside errors, right? This type of shit. I'm of the firm opinion, right? We still have linos there for a reason. If the lino isn't, if it's not abundantly clear to the lino that it's an offside, chances are there isn't much of an advantage, really. You know, there, there hasn't been a massive advantage to the attacking side if it hasn't been clear to the naked eye. 
So this yeah. whole kind of nuisance with drawing these lines on pixelated images of a freeze frame from something that isn't even playing at an adequate frame rate to be able to digest the information at this yeah. kind of <laughs> level. It just, it, it all start. it's all starting to feel a little bit farcical. Great. You know, if, as, as I said in the pod the other day, if somebody headbutts a player off the ball, the referee hasn't seen it happen behind his back, go and show the referee on the screen. He can send the player off. Fine. That seems to me a fine use of VAR. Another one that somebody's floated is if you bring it to be a bit more like tennis, there's three challenges each manager can can kind of put down on the pitch. You know, if somebody's had a red card mm. or a yellow card for dangerous play, the manager can contest think, it, goes to VAR, yeah. whatever. Even that feels pretty anti-football to me, but yeah. I'd probably be able to stomach that more than what we have now because it just, it still feels like there's, there's still too much subjectivity to it all. That's the problem for me, right? Yeah, I, I do think that. I, I think if we did go down the route though of, of like kind of uh, th- there's kind of three chance, like kind of three chances, or kind of a uh, uh, kind of have a a system where you have uh, three opportunities to kind of make that call or something, make it a little bit more American style in in its uh, execution. I think that you'd have like like really tactical coaches coming up with all sorts of plans to divide, devise to uh, uh, kind of disrupt the game and things like that. So I think it, it can open itself up to manipulation a little bit. I think from the coaches on the coach's side, um, and I think yeah, you're right. It's because football's meant to be a fluid game with with as few uh, as few breaks as possible. Um, it, it would just kind of make the game very staccato, like it kind of is right now. It's very kind of kind of we're chopping through it like like a, a dodgy frame rate on a tv and you you are getting those kind of things where you score a goal and and uh and you're having to delay your celebrations or you are having an offside happen and you say well that's clearly offside and you're waiting and waiting and waiting and they're waiting through like 25 phases of play and then they blow the whistle after somebody's had a cracking shot and it's gone into the top hand corner that is insane you see what i mean so yeah. yeah i don't know how we solve it it's not i do think the best thing is well the other day, I actually did propose. I proposed on my the channel that I propose things, Twitter, um, <laughs> that uh, that they do uh, kind of have a have a, a thing where uh, what did I what did I say on Twitter? It was um, I did propose something where they had uh, a a system, a challenge system where we where they could uh, execute those. Uh, Sorry, I've lost my train of thought completely. My kid just walked in and I lost my train of thought. Is it, have we got like the, the BBC, <laughs> the BBC correspondent, yeah. the famous yeah, viral video? Yeah, literally, my kid just popped his head in the door and sent me the wrong way completely on it. Um, what did I say? It was on It was on. Look, mate, half the, the time now. I get distracted by my cat when I'm doing the other podcast, so I think we can let you off, uh, you know. Yeah, but I had a really good, I had a really good point. It's really annoying. It's so annoying. Just stay outside. You're talking about your point uh, on, but, on Twitter yeah. about contesting challenges contesting yeah calls yeah no basically I, to be honest i think that they need to have independent an independent panel basically i think that's the thing i was trying to come up with so they have to have an independent panel separate from like kind of the, the boys club of referees that they have there because i think it would just bring a lo- little bit more um kind of belief in the system if they had 
it does feel like a boys club because you've got the referees and then they tend to get promoted like Mike Riley and what have you. Mm. They tend to get promoted into the bar room, don't they? So you, it doesn't feel separate. It doesn't feel independent. So it'd be quite good to have a, a separately trained panel. So they have obviously all the rules and make it, you know, make it professional, you know, like, okay, maybe you could take that side from the American sports where, for instance, um, you do have a separate panel in a, in a box somewhere and you do have maybe the, the actual the referee is mic'd up, which would be quite good because then they, they can actually call the exact rule that they're, they're enforcing or, or putting in, in place, obviously, for each challenge. So if there is, for instance, a goal ruled out, the ref gets on the microphone, goes through the loudspeakers, you know, a call of play, you know, uh, offside or, you know, is, is punched the, the player and blah, 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 blah. You know, so there's an actual uh, there's actual clarity with it because right now it feels like it's just not clear. Rules are, um, are being enforced that uh, people are having to refer to, to kind of digital handbooks uh, in the studios and things. It's just very very odd, and for such a professional game, it is mad, isn't it? It's it's just strange. It's really strange that we still. I mean, <clears throat> one point that was made to me that's actually really interesting though is that one of the positives that's come out of VAR is it shows you like how vague a lot of the rules are in football about a lot of things um, and how our interpretation of them is still pretty subjective in a lot of places Um, Mm. but it will be interesting to see if it's if it's here to stay or not I I imagine it, it, it will be in some form but I think there's enough pressure now from enough people to to say that there's, there's probably going to be a bit of a shake up of it. We'll see how soon that comes yeah. or not. Um, Please, if we if we go back to to the game, yeah. you sort of mentioned it before. Um, I did want to give a bit more kind of time to having Romero back, obviously, but also having Longley in defence because it felt now suddenly having two ball playing centre-backs alongside Dyer, if we got Dyer as like the enforcer and he can, to be fair, that's unfair. Dyer can play football as well. Dyer is no lump. No, he's a pretty decent ball playing centre-back. So three ball playing centre-backs now. It felt like we had so much more control over the game. And then in turn, it felt like the sort of the midfield duo were a lot more free to kind of play their own sort of expressive football. And funnily enough, we saw two of the best performances we've seen from Hoybier and Bentancur, respectively. Is this, I mean, does it feel unfair to, to Ben Davies or would you like to kind of see Longleg given more of a more of a go now? Because I, I think R- Romero's there to stay. We obviously know that. Dyer's there to stay. So really the contested place at the moment is is that left center back birth um did you see I, enough I feel like this- jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it blue nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I feel like this story starts with Bastoni, though, the guy we missed out with. Yeah. Um, when I see Longley, when I saw Longley do what he did the other day, I thought, ah, oh, that's what he that's what he meant. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, oh, that's what they meant by playing the ball out the back. That's why he's trying to replace uh, uh, Ben Davies. Because we were all quite content with Ben Davies the other season, thinking, oh, why, you know, why, why are we replacing Ben Davies? He's such a good guy, gentle Ben. But now you can see, okay, he's great at defence. I think Ben, he's great at. He's got the. He gets Spurs. Obviously, he's you know he's a, he's, um, a stalwart of Spurs, but. You have Longley who's come in. Yeah, he's he's had a he had a terrible time at one point at, in Barcelona, but he's still got the ability. You can see it. You can see the confidence. You can see the way that he's always looking to progress the balls, always looking to pick the ball through the lines, and he and he backs his he backs that left foot of of his, similar to Romero on the other side. Obviously, uh, Longley's not as aggressive in the tackle, but you know it then allows your your the the two central midfielders to drop in and get a little bit more of the ball because they can interact a little bit more with with the uh, the kind of flanks of our back three. So I mean, I I think he was fantastic, but I I'm I I'd feel bad if we kind of you know if I found a sad Ben on the bench every week now. But then there's more of, more of a kind of a, a personal thing, I guess, because I like I like uh, general Ben, <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's a, it's a story, isn't it? That started with Bastoni and it's ending with, with Longley. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what he does against City, because I think yeah. where, ironically enough, given it is called Gentle Ben, I think one of the places where Ben Davies shines is in those big games, those kind of wars. Mm. Like he, oh yeah, Anfield away stands out particularly. You know, him kind of just blocking everything. He was in on Salah. He was just dogged in that game he was, was really pivotal to us mm. kind of managing to to get that one across the line I mean I know we drew it but it's been a horrible horrible place to a Zanfield um, throughout the entirety <laughs> of our history really mm. so I will be very interested to see what he does because uh, yeah like you I, I don't really want to just see Davies completely jettisoned from the side because he's he's been really really good under Conte you know, he has been really good. And Longley, I mean, he wasn't tested massively in that game, you know, so... That's the thing, isn't it? Will, that's the thing. Are we going to risk that against the might of Erling Haaland? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is it, Do we do we play... Um, yeah, do we play him? Like, for, for that game, has he earned the um, the kind of... Has he earned that position to, to play a left centre-back for us in that kind of massive game? Because it's a way... So it's not, you know, it's not the cushy kind of surroundings of home. I think I literally the um, Fulham game is probably a perfect game for him, you know, because you've got you have got the home surrounding and you you have got Fulham, which aren't they've just come up in the, the championship, so they're not in full flow yet, you know, early in the season. So you can, you know, can you're getting everybody's getting more of the feelers out, no matter what anybody says about the table. It's more about kind of getting a feel for the team mm-hmm. and getting into your flow. So he's kind of benefited from that in a way. So do you throw him up against the big dogs? Like you've got Haaland's like smashing into you and stuff like that over and over. And they're going to have more of the ball. When we have the ball, it will be for like quite short periods as, as, uh, as, as tough as it is for me to admit uh, city are just going to have most of the possession and uh, they're at home. So they're going to be pressing and, and harassing us a lot. And I don't know if that's long lays game. So um, Je- Ben, you're like, I was about to call him Ben again. I'll just call him Ben. It's disrespectful. I call him Ben. Uh, 
But Ben is, um, yeah, he's 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 been through the wars, as you say. He's you know he's been Liverpool away. He's done he's done you know kind of the the the, the hard yards. So I do think personally, I would go with Ben just for the, the situation, and I'd probably go with um, Longley for those games where the other team isn't going to press and harass us as much, and maybe have just less quality in attack, so that we uh, so so he can have his uh, you know. You know the days where he can just kind of build up his confidence, passing around these kind of smaller teams and stuff, and and kind of build it up to a point that maybe one day he could he can play a bit more regularly um, um, to replace uh, Ben Davies. And I think is is actually a good signing. I mean, we really did need someone for those moments. If we did have Ben the other day, I don't think it would have been such a straightforward victory. We might have just nicked a draw or something. It's just you don't get that fluidity of, of passing straight, like through, you know, breaking lines and getting it straight to the front quicker and things like that. And, and then in turn freeing the two center midfielders who are, if, if you don't have passing defenders, they're always going to be under, under pressure to be those passing players. And they're so deep and there's only two of them and they're normally up against three. So it's uh, it, it's a chain, isn't it? <laughs> it's it a chain is- reaction. Here's here's one for you then, mate. Because I I kind of feel like I might be tempted to give Longley the start again against Marseille, but maybe bring oh, Davis yeah. in for City. That's yeah, that solves it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd... Championship Manager. And if we can go a bit sort of gammon about it and say, well, you know, they're a French team, so maybe it will give us a bit of an advantage having a French centre back as well. You know, <laughs> he'll understand what they're yeah. up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't stand by that opinion by at all. You know, it's, just, it's me being <laughs> a silly Billy. Um, Romero, he <clears throat> fantastic game. Did get caught out by Mitrovic for the goal, and one might be tempted to say, "Yeah, Mitrovic is a brilliant player," but I kind of feel like maybe Romero didn't give Mitrovic the sort of respect he deserved from that because that that the guy's in sublime form. You know, I think he scored forty odd. Goals and uh, yeah, whatever the championship, but he still scored them. Um, that disappointed me though, yeah. It was Kane, that, that finish, right? From Mitrovic, it was, it was, he passed it basically into the top right hand corner against. And, and I know we kind of have a go at Hugo, but he's a top keeper and he, he basically passed it into the top hand corner yeah. uh, against him. Um, and I was saying disappointed just then because I was disappointed in the kind of dangle of a leg. It was like very. It was very power league that kind of tackle where you just yeah. dangle a leg and turn turn your back and and hope the guy misses and is like mate you're you know you're one of the best defenders in the league so I, I think maybe he was a bit scared to give away a pen or something or maybe because he was on a yellow at the time or something I don't know but you know you can't just let someone shape up and bend one in from from there but we've seen our, our players do it regularly but you know it was quite a hard hard to swallow seeing it happen to us at home but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we're not gonna. He's he's young, isn't he? He can hopefully learn from that. And I, you know, somebody yeah. like Conte will be, I'm sure, this week replaying that incident to him over and over and over again, and micro analysing yeah. every single thing he could have done better in that situation. So I don't think he's going to get yeah. let off the hook from that one, is he? Um, yeah. Touched on it a second ago, talking about the kind of def- the defensive control, the effect that had on Hoybier and Bentancur. But Hoybier in particular, man, like, you know, I've been the first to kind of dig him out and always feel like he's a good squad player, but we could we could do better. 
this season, it doesn't even feel like he's ironed a few kinks out or anything like that, or he's improving a little bit. I, I put it to my mate when I was speaking to him earlier that it feels like he's he's gone up a couple of weight classes. Like he mm. he just he just seems like a, a completely different proposition this time. And I, I get that the the weight class metaphor doesn't doesn't really scan fully, but the I point is, I just think he, he's gone up levels, mate. I think he yeah. has looked unbelievable, and he looked he looked brilliant in this game. Yeah, man in the match. He was for bright. Men. Probably our, dare I say, player of the half season. <laughs> well, we I went halfway there, yeah. <laughs> but I think we're just like I don't know. Player ten. of the <laughs> five games gone season. Yeah, the, the five games gone um, champions Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. Um... <laughs> there you go. The five game yeah, invincible player of the season. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, do you know what? Uh, he's. He, I agree on that point. Yeah, he's literally changed my mind around I, I thought he was he struck me as quite a wooden player like he's quite he, he didn't look like he had the flexibility to do what he was doing the other day the, the, the kind of intricate little one two and then just like a smash in the corner I was thinking well hang about where did that come from kind of thing so yeah he's got he's got uh he's got a lot more in his locker than I think we um initially realized and uh, I think he's seen the challenge of Basuma hasn't he He's seen Basuma um, kind of arrive, and he's seen uh, Skip um, kind of come back into you know fitness and everything. And I think he's probably thought, well, hang about, I got to, you know, I've got to do something. So I think he's actually, um, yeah, I think he's he's seeing the challenges and 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 upped his levels, and you know, better for us, isn't it? And I think that's just the the kind of benefits of having a deep squad. I think you, we're seeing that from Cess, uh, you know, we've seen it from him. We've seen it from Davies, I'd say. And I'd say we've seen it from even Sanchez. Like, you know, Sanchez has obviously seen Romero come in. And, and then ever since Romero came, he's suddenly, he's upped his level as well. Yeah. You know, obviously he didn't play the other game. But everybody who's had that kind of challenge has upped their level. So and more yeah, more of it, please, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I do like Hoiberg. He's the, he is the Viking. So there you go. He's doing a good job for us. He is doing a good job. He is doing a good job. Uh, ben Tancur is well silky, isn't he, man? Like he yeah. had a he had a really good performance, right? And yeah. it's so tough at the moment because it did feel like Conte was, I don't know, he didn't really call out Basuma. I thought his comments on Spence were a bit more harsh, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah, but he 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 was sort of saying of Basuma, you know, I haven't had as long with him. Um, if it just it felt a bit more, felt a bit more down the line with Basuma. He hasn't had as long with Basuma. He hasn't had as long to kind of give him his I think philosophy. He's, yeah. I think he I think he's actually deliberately harsh though. I think he's I think that's his way of kind of um, motivating, I guess. And maybe he's kind of sussed him out a little bit and he's thinking, well I can't kind of kick gloves this guy. I'm gonna you know, he's he's gone in a bit kind of firm. Not like I wouldn't say too firm, but he's just kind of given him uh, not a warning, but he's given him a challenge, you know, to say, you know, mate, I know you're, you're at the big time, but you know, to get on and play in my team, you're going to have to play my way kind of thing. And I think, yeah, Basuma is probably had a bit of cold water in his face. He probably thought he could walk into our team in the back of his mind thinking, you know, you know, I, you know, going into a champions league team. Now I'm the, I'm the guy, you know, coming and, you know, big money and blah, blah, blah. But he's, um, yeah, he's probably seen quite a tough challenge Basuma. And, you know, looking at Hoiberg and, and Bentancourt, you, you actually have to wonder how Basuma gets in. Because before we were all thinking, oh, Basuma's just going to take uh, Hoiberg's, Hoiberg's place. But 
it doesn't look like it's going to be that straight a bat really on that one. So he's going to have to uh, produce something, guess training or what have you, or maybe he's going to get a half against Marseille or what have you. But he's going to have to do something to uh, to catch the eye because I think Conte's um, reluctant to break up that that midfield too, and nobody's giving him a reason to do it. So he did look a little. Uh... He looked a bit out of his depth against West Ham, didn't he? I mean, the occasion's mm. pretty massive and everything like that in terms of the way it's 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 built for us and the way mm. their fans and their club approaches that fixture. So it's, it's going to be harsh. Yeah. It's, you know, you can't you can't jump to too many conclusions. But like you say, yeah, it is hard to know when he's going to get game time. But I suppose at the same time, look at look. You just need to look at that October <laughs> that October schedule. <laughs> My God see the schedule pre-World Cup, to be honest, and know that there's going to be plenty of time for him and there's going to be plenty of time for Skip. Um, you can yeah. imagine Skip is definitely not fit yet because there was that there was that moment, wasn't there, against, where, I think it was West Ham, wasn't it, when Hoybier clearly was in some discomfort. I know he had the issue of his football boot, but I think it was a bit more than that. He was in some discomfort for a while and Conte just weren't bringing Skip on. He wasn't going to do it at that point, so... Yeah, I think Skip. I think he even said Skip was more there for kind of just being with the side, kind of um, just being more of a, a bit of a cheerleader, I guess if is the word. But yeah, he was just there for the side, just kind of ingratiating him back into the squad. Um, I oh, I'll tell you what. One thing we haven't spoken about, mate, Sonny, because it was a welcome oh, yeah. return of old Sonny. I mean. Like I say, he's almost got some sort of curse on him at the moment where the ball just will not go over the line quite for him. But it was a much more positive performance, right? And it, it seems to be a bit of a... Because it did seem it was an interesting decision, right? I think there were a few raised eyebrows when we saw that it was Kulusevski that had been dropped. Not dropped, mm-hmm. rotated. This is the kind of language you're supposed to be using, isn't it? Rotated, yeah. not son. But I personally get the feeling that Conte is just stubbornly or doggedly, should we say, sticking with Son to get him to break out of the funk that he's in, right? And it feels like it's working. It's a, po- it's a Poch tactic, isn't it? Remember when Poch used to play people, no matter what was going on, he used to do that to Delhi, just play and play and play, even if he was having stinkers each week. But um, yeah, I, I think um, I do think he'll play his way out of it because I think he, he can't help but be inspired by what's happening with uh, Richie on the other side of him. So I, I do think that that actually helped him the other day. I, I think that he, he's seen that energy and he's just matched it. And as long as um, he, as long as he keeps his kind of chin up, I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be fine. Um, I, I think uh, it's frustrating though. And I've, you know, to see uh, someone so talented, you know, kind of missing shots or going missing in the game for so, for such large periods of time. But um, yeah, I, I think it'll be fine if we just kind of play him through it. And I think Conte—that's what he's—he's he's along the, uh, the the same kind of train of thought with that with with Sunny. I do think he'll rest him at some point. We're not sure when, but I don't think uh, Conte wants to rest him um, at a point that would make the headlines uh, kind of turn against Sunny. If you know what I mean, that's quite hard to explain. But if no, he, if we kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he wants any kind of controversial dropping or anything like that because that will just knock his confidence through the floor. I think he just wants to maybe kind of play him. He'll probably at some point halfway through a game swap him out for for Richie and and kind of keep doing it that way until he kind of regains his form. Because let's not forget, Sonny is the the, the current um, golden boot holder. So 
uh, many people seem to forget. Because the narrative's set right, isn't it, already? Golden boot, flop, dropped kind yeah. of thing, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. we know now everybody's just looking for clicks. They're looking for the outrage. They're looking for the takes. And you can you can see it now. You can see it quite clearly. Laura Woods sat down with whoever, Jason Kundi on TalkSport, oh talking about, is Son over the hill? Yeah, I think he is. I think Conte <laughs> has realised that and he's dropped him and the cycle... Yeah. It feeds it, but he he's not going to do that, is he? He's, it seems no. seems to be the he's very the aware, and it's easy, you know. Kulusevski, that's a young, hungry player. He he ain't going to be thinking, "Why have I been dropped? Oh, what's happening? Mm. Am I over the hill? Am I no?" He's going to be thinking, <laughs> "I want to get back in the team um, straight away. I don't want to be the one that's rotated. Rotate the old man that's not been playing well, kind of thing." You know, that's that's yeah. You're not going to worry about Kulusevski. Um, Honestly, I feel I like I Kulisevsky. could. Oh, mate, I feel like I could, you know, give half an hour of every single pod to Kulusevski right now because he's. He's sick. Oh God, he's unbelievable. He's just, you know. Another one that's underrated, by the way. I don't, I don't tend to hear much about him, but he's like, isn't he one of the top assists uh, for the last for like 2022? He's like one of the top. Yeah, man, like top he's... three or something for assists since he arrived in January. It's it's. So uh, he's. Be surprised. He is outstanding. Like he hasn't even got going because I, I, you know, he's got obviously early doors against Southampton. But this guy, his left foot is. We're talking about. I'd say like I know we like comparing to old players because we're you know we're old, so we like to you know look back. But I like comparing them, and he is basically our Iron Robin. You know, the guy mm. who just gets the ball. He can. Ch- you know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to do. But then sometimes he can do. He can go down the line and hit it in with his right foot across the, you know, right across the box. So I think he's one of those that, if you're a defender, you're going up against Kulusevski. It's a nightmare because he's actually a big lad as well, and he's got a lot of strength and power, and he's. Uh, He's outstanding. Like people go on about Saka, I suppose maybe because you know because because he's English. But this guy is absolutely ridiculous. You wouldn't want uh, Kulusevski on the 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 right side of your, your box on the edge of your box on his left foot. You just wouldn't want him there. He's uh, uh, yeah, he's a special special player, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him. Segway, please. Strutting his stuff on the Champions League stage because yes, Tottenham Hotspur are playing on a Tuesday stroke Wednesday night. They play Thursday because they're fucking shite. The Champions League <laughs> is back around the pinnacle of football. Um, I'm, We're back, baby. Oh, mate, I'm excited. I'm excited. Look, we we sort of, we keep referencing this, mate, but we, we've grown up not seeing... We've grown up dreaming of Tottenham playing in this competition, right? What does it mean to you to see the fact that we are a pretty established... Champions League team now we're not one of those kind of outliers that gets in every now and again we've made a real fist of our time in the competition we've made the fucking final you know we've made a real fist of our time in the competition are you are you yeah you I'm, must be you must be buzzing sorry. to be back are you I am absolutely buzzing I it, it means a lot I mean, obviously I think I've said this before on, on one of the shows is that I've kind of been supporting Spurs obviously since I was literally 10 years old in 1990 and it was just not even a, a, a mouse fart of a, of a reality that Spurs could be in the Champions League. Not even a chance, not even a thought. Uh, it would, you'd be ridiculed for even thinking that Spurs could get in the Champions League. We were in the, in the noughties. We were sitting down thinking about 
oh, can we get into Europe? And Europe for us was the Europa League. It was just, you know, that was, that was the extent of our ambition at that point. Uh, you know, into Toto Cup or what have you. So we were, we were more focused on that stuff. And to find ourselves regularly in the Champions League, I think we're spoiled. Like the, the, young, the young generation of Spurs fans, you know, you lap it up, like soak all of this up because it's not forever. It's amazing to, to have Spurs in the Champions League. And at the, uh, 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 at the, 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 the what's it called, um, uh, the chagrin of, of Arsenal. So, that, you know, that was great, uh, you know, finishing like one point ahead of them and knocking them down. So that is amazing uh, to be in the Champions League. The feeling is great. The feeling is welcome. And yeah, I, I think you know, we have a lot to, uh, we owe a lot, sorry, to uh, Pochettino for making us regulars. And like, obviously, um, Redknapp kind of broke the, the glass ceiling and then we started now we're now very regular in the Champions League, and I think the greatest stuff was was watching the uh, the draw uh, for the Champions League and watching one of our coaches. Uh, I don't know what he's done anywhere else in the past, but he's just one of our coaches, Yaya Torre, bigging us up on the the international stage. You know, just saying, <laughs> "Oh, I love Tottenham; they're my family." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" <laughs> but he probably does Torre love us, doesn't he? Right? Yeah, and it was so good, and it, like it, it, it's um, it's priceless to have like an elite footballer, your coach, and bigging you up on the world stage, stage, and and being chosen to go into like Champions League draw with all of these huge names that like, you've got the Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, like all of these massive names in the hat, you know, and we're in the hat, and we're there, and we got we got you know our group games, as I'm sure you'll you'll mention. Obviously, the uh, we we know it's going to be Amsterdam. It's going to be Ajax. But other than that, mate, <laughs> what's kind of what would you say your uh, one of your fondest Champions League memories is of Tottenham? Is, are there any that kind of just struck a bit different that you think, oh, we've arrived, or just this is great, this is good being here? Um, there are so many, man. Like there are so many. My my, I think my one of my favourite goals was Jan Vertonghen's one. With Serge Aurier just against uh, Dortmund. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah, <laughs> when it's, like suddenly Serge Aurier just finally found one of his crosses, and it, like we got the, the beautiful goal from Jan and the Superman celebration in the Champions League. Oh my god, that was amazing. Had, that was absolutely incredible. Barnstorming performance that day as well, man. Like it was. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Played left back. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> yeah. So, and he hated it. Left back That's the thing. He hated it, but he was always so good at it. That's yeah. the thing, you know. Yeah. So Conte would have loved that goal. Yeah, Conte would have loved that goal because that was right back to left back. Yeah, he would have yeah. loved that as well. I tell you, <laughs> man, as well. I don't think much can kind of, you know, the magic, honestly, of seeing obviously Gareth Bale come to life away at the San Siro, but that home game, that White Hart Lane oh, game, yeah. seeing oh, him end sort of, you know, Mike on's career. It's just. Yeah. I mean that that it was sort of seeing was like, Uber was Uber around back then by the way was Uber around I don't for, for think Michael. it was it might have been no. in its very very like proto <laughs> form but it just it was Uber for Michael it, 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 I couldn't believe what we were watching though that kind of era of like Redknapp's Tottenham as well when it felt like we'd actually finally arrived at the at the top tier I couldn't believe it you know seeing those games mm. hearing White Hart Lane rocking the way it was and seeing this young mm. kind of thus far largely frustrating but obviously talented young player suddenly bang come of age and just tear them to shreds like that on that kind of stage you know that 
and there is that you know Pochettino he did call it the magic competition and I'm so toy about it, but I do feel that there is that spark in the air, those evening kickoffs, Spurs in the all-white kit, the music playing. There is just something so incredible about it. And, um, you know, it's going to take a lot to ever get close to that run to the final. I mean, to be honest, it's going to take winning it, really. that That's the step Spurs have to take to, to match or to better that, I should say. But you can't go into yeah. the Champions League sort of hoping well of course you can get there hoping to get to the final but expecting to get to the final or expecting to have those big moments you've just got to kind of go and I know it sounds Tim I know it sounds like a bit of a small club mentality but to me the Champions League you've just got to go and enjoy you've got to enjoy everything that it's about like you say the kind of the thrill of being able to maybe play a Real Madrid or a PSG or whoever and just know that it's Tottenham Hotspur out there under the lights playing against European royalty, um, hopefully creating more of these kind of magical memories, right? Yeah, I, I think you just you, you nailed it. Yeah, you have to go out there. You have to. I think the players as well as the fans have to just soak it up, soak up the atmosphere, soak it up game by game. And I think the teams that actually do do that tend to go far because you you appreciate what's going on around you. You do push that last minute if you're 1-0 down. You know, those kind of moments come from just soaking up the atmosphere, appreciating what's going on around you and really kind of giving it a swell of a, like a push. Uh, and anything's possible. I think the Champions League is just... Um, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I, I mean, it's definitely against the grain of what the actual organisation uh, UEFA are organising over there. I know what they're doing. They're always trying to change the format and things like that. But the actual um, spectacle of the Champions League, I don't know how they bottle it and put it into a competition because every game, or not I suppose every game, but every competition tends to produce its miracles. And uh, we were, it was really nice being part of that miracle with, um, you know, remember when uh, we obviously scored the the Ajax, well, the night, that night in Ajax, and uh, in Amsterdam, sorry, and um, what Liverpool did to Barca on the corner with the corner kick with Trent Alexander-Arnold. So these little moments of magic, I don't know how they happen, but they tend to happen in the Champions League. They don't tend to happen in like league games so much, you know, things like that. But it's um, yeah, it's a it's a magical competition really, and uh, we we just got to, as fans, we got to feel proud that we've actually made it into it because uh, it's not forever. It's it's not it's not promised, you know. No, who who knows when we'll next be in it? You know, the Premier League goes from strength to strength to strength. So just soak up every second of it. Um, and rather frustratingly, let's soak up playing quite clearly the v- most vastly strong team that we drew from pot four in Marseille, who are currently sitting top of, I believe, sitting top of Ligue 1 unbeaten. Um, PSG yeah. might be top. Let's have a quick look. I'd be surprised if PSG aren't. But, you know, okay, PSG are still top. Um, but yeah they score more goals probably same record same record as Marseille five wins one draw zero defeats but yeah the goal difference is, is ridiculous <laughs> from PSG as you the would Mbappe expect tax, yeah. as you would expect yeah. I mean how have they even drawn a game they drew to Monaco I mean come on if you're not winning every single game in that league with that squad you deserve nothing nothing at all <laughs> um, but we got Marseille it's going to be a tough game but you know I'm going to be a Tim Pot competition winner about it. Let's just enjoy it. Um, because for everything well, you've said there, MP, you know. 
it's magical. Yeah, I was going to say something. I was going to say we, we everyone keeps saying that there because I've heard this before about Marseille being top and unbeaten, but we're we're unbeaten. We're not top, but we're unbeaten. That's They'll true. Be saying that about us as well. In a much harder league as well, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Come on. Tottenham fucking Hotspur. That's it, mate. That's it. Put me in my place. I like it. I like it. It's what, we, it's what I need every now and again. Checks. I need checks and balances. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on, mate. Um, thanks, sir. Uh, thanks That's for giving us your time. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, what's your What's your at again for anybody listening that wants to follow and get on getting on your your hot takes and big opinions? Bigger, big opinions. Don't hype me. Don't hype me. Um, I, do you know what's funny? I don't even remember my at. I had to literally just now click on my own profile to see my at. But my at is other Anthony. So yeah, O T H E R Anthony with an H. Hello, Anthony. That's it. Um, so give it, give Anthony a follow again as ever. As I always say, if you've enjoyed the podcast, share it, leave ratings, leave reviews. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns